0: You want a bite? Steak on a bun. It's real good. Mm, I, I wouldn't mind just one bite. You sure? That's <laughs> okay. It's the last time I'm gonna get i tell you that. That's it. Come on. Get it all out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sure. Jump yep, back into the cab. We'll get some soup or something. Linux stuff.
0: Welcome to Blood and Black Rum Podcast's Halloween 2022 Special. This year we're Some Cronenberg. We're bringing you Wes Craven and David Cronenberg movies all Halloween season from September to October 31st. Experience the visceral thrills with movies like A Nightmare on Elm Street, Rabid, Last House on the Left, and more. Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood of Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from ColtsPlayTation.com and I'm joined with my co-host Martin. How's it going? You're doing pretty well. It's spooky season around here, at least. Beginning of September, we call it spooky season. And uh, you'll be happy to know too. I don't know if you listen we generally we like don't really go back and listen to our own episodes, but if you haven't listened to the episode in the in the the first one that we did for the Halloween season, I did end up adding spooky music to the to the back of it background so we got so little one
1: time when ryan's not lazy and adds, uh, that's
0: true and... i was very not lazy this last time i added spooky music i redid the whole intro like I, I did a new theme for the intro i that was me too you know it's not super intricate or anything but i did compose it i'm gonna you know if anybody uses that that's my copyright thanks I'm gonna go on YouTube now and have a bot just take like see if anybody uses it in their <laughs> videos like they do for us. <laughs> you know, like, oh, that's copyrighted. Oh.
1: That'd be great if we just saw it like being like used like somebody else. Uh,
0: yeah. You know what? I don't blame them. It's got maybe, creepy organ. It's great.
1: Maybe it, uh, we can start set up our own like free use uh, spooky music. Yeah. Like every like uh, like how to video has like the fair use like ukulele mm. music that has like the like xylophone taps like
0: well I do feel bad because I did steal the Halloween music and somebody probably did end up composing that like they, they didn't compose it but they took a lot of free use samples and they just kind of put them all into one you know like where they continued the wind and stuff like that throughout the whole thing so I we I, we, I did steal that but you know what free use fair use it's all fair game on the internet um all right so uh what are we doing here for uh round two of our uh um, craving some cronenberg month or season i should say
1: uh well because we started off with uh, west craven classic uh, nightmare on elm street this time we're gonna because we're gonna rotate because we're not original Uh, We're going to be doing a David Cronenberg film, one that I haven't seen, because as I said before we started this, I am admittedly uh, not someone who's really familiar with David Cronenberg's work. I know a lot of his films, but I haven't actually seen them. So today we're doing Rabbit, yeah, 1977 film.
0: Yeah, it's uh, one of uh, David Cronenberg's earlier works. Um, like like you, I'm not super well-versed in Cronenberg. I have seen a number of his most um, popular films, you know, Scanners, Videodrome, um, uh, The Fly, of course. We did that on the show a little bit earlier, quite a bit earlier, actually. Um, but I've never seen a lot of his earlier output. Um last year was the first year i'd ever seen shivers which is one of his first his like earliest uh horror movies uh from 1975 and uh, this time uh we we did rabid and that was kind of like a personal pick of mine as well because i own the blu-ray um scream factory released it a couple of years ago and I never ended up watching it so it was like oh maybe i should so, actually check this out I
1: like the, as i say, i like the 700 blu-rays you own at this point probably like what You've seen probably like 2% of the Probably.
0: That is very like, true.
1: You're like, oh, thanks.
0: This, th- th- to what be honest you? with you, this one wasn't even opened. <laughs> Plastic wrap not even taken off of it. So I had to. I actually opened it for this occasion. And the same is true of Dead Ringers. I actually never ended up, that, that released around the same time as Robin um, from Screen Factory. Never ended up watching that one either. So Dead Ringers, uh, we're not doing that for the Cronenberg month, but it's another one that I do intend to check out at some point here um but yeah rabbit is from 1977 it's um i think you would consider it david cronenberg's third official movie uh he did quite a few like tv movies and documentaries in his early years but um i think it's his third he had crimes of the future and then shivers and then Rabbit. and it kind of comes at an interesting time in cronenberg's career um shivers is a movie that has a really similar idea to Rabbit. um Except *Rabbit* seems to take things a little bit further for Cronenberg. Um, *Shivers* was about a parasite that gets into like an apartment complex and uh, causes these people to who, that contract the parasite to like start acting weird, start acting sick, and then eventually they become like near almost like zombies, really. And the parasite itself is spread through sexual contact, so it's kind of about the sexual awakening in the seventies and how it spreads through this apartment complex and kind of how everybody in this apartment complex is like kind of fucking everybody else. So, um, it's an interesting movie, but rabbit is really similar to that in that a lot of its, um, premise is based upon like something spreading. In this case, it's a virus, uh, and not, you know, a a parasite, but it's about something spreading and it's about the, the, uh, use of sexual contact um, to initially spread that virus. And then ultimately from there, it kind of spreads out and it goes a lot wider than the apartment complex of Shivers, but the two are kind of interconnected. They're really related. And if you watch them like back to back, I think you would see an interesting, um, juxtaposition between the two and how they kind of are both similar and expand upon Cronenberg's, uh, you know, MO as he started to become, a little bit more versed in his body horror aspect so really interesting to kind of take those two in the context of when they released you've never seen either um so for rabid like what did you think coming into it were you expecting cronenberg's body horror as much as you got as an early film in his um oeuvre? or were you <laughs> i always like how i say that too we're throwing in french here for the um for the the french canadians uh, of this movie, so.
1: Well, that, and you, like, anytime you can shove it in Uber, you put it in there. Yeah. But, I think it's, it's, also English, too, so, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we've adopted it from the French, so. I like to, Thanks. I like to do it with the French accent, though.
1: Thanks, Normans. Right. But, no, um, I didn't really have any expectations. Um, I wasn't really familiar with, like, what the concept of the film was. Or, you know, what was supposed to be taking place. I kind of went in totally blind. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have heard of Shivers and kind of had a basic idea of kind of what that was about. Didn't really think about it though. Like I said, didn't really look too much into it. Kind of wanted to just kind of go in blind and see what this film is all about.
0: Yeah, which is always a good way to do it too. I mean, I kind of went in blind as well. Like the the title kind of gives it away as to what you might expect. Um, but I think that the film is a lot weirder than you even uh, get from the, the title itself or like the the poster artwork uh, which we'll talk about like the differences and what what you expect versus what you see in what Cronenberg gives us this is very rabbit is a very strange movie. it doesn't necessarily have a lot of um, I don't know like it, it almost seems like it might, be somewhat something of a surrealistic dream, almost, in, in some capacity. Um, but we'll talk about the, you know, the ideas at play here. Um, w- before we get into all that, though, and, you know, we we talk about how we're craving some Cronenberg, um, what are your favorite Cronenberg movies that you have seen? Before we, like, even get into, like, all, everything about Cronenberg.
1: Um, I have only seen The Fly and Naked lunch.
0: Oh, okay. So not even scanners
1: or video drone. Nope. Oh, okay. I've seen clips from both. I've seen clips from both. Sure. Like I know like kind of the premises be- behind scanner and video drone. Uh same thing like with like shivers and the dead zone. Uh, other than that, not that familiar.
0: Gotcha. Well, I would say that like some of my favorites um are his body horror element ones. The 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 fly is a big one for us of course um videodrome is one of my favorites i actually like when i was in college and i first saw videodrome i like started writing as though i was like writing out something like videodrome um which my professor didn't really understand i was like yeah i was trying to i was i was was channeling videodrome here and she's like oh okay well i don't get it (laughs) basically um so she wasn't super thrilled with with the idea of that But, uh, yeah, no, I I really like that element. I really like how sometimes Cronenberg can bring, like, very um, surrealistic ideas to it, um, which I think, you know, Rabbit and Videodrome kind of do. And Spades Scanners is is more, like, uh, grounded. So, I think that he has some really interesting ideas. Um, He really gets always kind of gets labeled as the body horror guy, right? Like, the guy who does all the things like, you know, mutilation to the body, various... You know, elements of things that that kind of get into your body, creep out of your body, stuff like that. But
1: it's even it's even called Cronenberg,
0: right? Yeah. But I I you think
1: to so say you have that nice Rick and Morty gag of like oh, it's Cronenberg world,
0: we're
1: all Cronenberg <laughs> creatures, Morty.
0: I mean, but I think he's I think he's more than that though, because he does bring like not all of his movies do that. The Dead Zone you brought up is a really good one. It's one that we kind of. I, I, for me, I don't really think of it as a Cronenberg movie. I forget sometimes that he directed it, but that one is a lot more situated in the like plot driven, character driven elements to it. Um, but it's a really good one too in the way that it deals with um, lasting trauma. And do you
1: think, I'll say, do you think Stephen King, by being pissed off with all his works being bastardized in films, and his viewpoint was sitting on set to make sure he didn't fuck it up?
0: Uh, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I know, like, because this would have been probably
1: like maybe we have like a giant worm thing come out, and he's like, "We're
0: not doing." No, (laughs) no, that's gonna be a big no for me. You know, (laughs) and I, I, yeah, I mean, I (laughs) like it would have been so. Like, let's see. Um, when did that release? Eighty-three. Eighty-three, so that would have been, you know, just a few years after The Shining. Um, so yeah, maybe. Chris, May- I
1: think Christine probably came out around well, 84?
0: Mm, yeah, maybe somewhere around there. Sure. Yeah.
1: Eighty-three, so that came out the same year too. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and, yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe King was around there because you know he was he was bent by, uh, you know Kubrick's portrayal of. The Shining and said, You know what? I'm sitting in on all these now. All right, so let's uh let's take a second away from Rabbit to talk about the beer that we have on the show today. Last week I said, You know what? We have a beer that doesn't really relate to the fall Halloween season, but that would quickly change, and we've changed it for this week. We had so many complaints written in where's the Oktoberfests, where's the, <laughs> the Halloween style beers. Um, we had to change it. We had to, we had to, to pivot and get a different beer on the show. And so we did. You're welcome. Um, this time we actually tasked our friend, Hody, with heading out of state to go to Treehouse. And we gave him, you know, all of the, the, uh, Patreon subscription money that you guys send our way.
1: Just kidding. Uh, he he was yeah. he was going there himself. So and yes, we did not uh, fund
0: the trip. We did not fund the travel. What do you want? Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, no. He nicely offered to get us the beer, which is, you know, that's a nice. What a great guy. What a great guy. Um, and so of course we had to get at least like a couple four packs because when someone's going to treehouse, you don't. it Doesn't matter how broke you are, you don't you know say no yeah you, you do not say no to that so we had to get a few and one of the one of the ones that stuck out to both of us was that they they had their oktoberfest uh, in cans and i've never had treehouse's oktoberfest that was one that was really titillating to me and the I name also in the cans yeah i
1: was t- I, I was surprised that they were even making one because kind of like fideance they are kind of like the uh, Massachusetts Fidens. Uh, IPA Central? Around, yep, nipa Central. I think they might have been around a, a bit longer, though. Sure, yeah. Um. But, uh, you know, so that was nice. And, uh, you know, I'm... To be honest with you, I've had quite a bit of treehouse. But, at the same time, I always kind of stay away from the NYPAs. I will always grab one, but I always grab something... Because they always do something, like, a little different. Like, so they always have something, like, different. So, like... The first one that stuck out to me on my order, which we're not reviewing, because Ryan didn't get it and I already drank it. They had a Japanese rice lager on there. Now it's not going to be anything earth shattering, but I, you know, I had to go. Yeah, I'll take that. Why? Because it's a Japanese rice lager, and you know what? Something it was different. Delightful. It was delightful.
0: Not something you get a whole lot.
1: Yeah. Unless you're going to buy, you know. Uh, skunk bottles of S- Sapporo around here because mm-hmm. no one's <laughs> fucking buying them. But, uh, right. but yeah, so we both got the Oktoberfest and we decided to actually hold on to it and do it for the podcast.
0: Yeah, and it's got a saying, it a nice little can lovely, to it. it. Yeah,
1: beautiful, scenic, very autumnal.
0: Uh huh. It's got like the orange uh, setting. A very, uh, orange autumn sunset day with a guy canoeing on an orange lake. Beautiful. Leaves whipping around him. You just know the fishing's good that day. And, uh, it's called Whisper, which, you know, of course, makes sense. The whisper of the wind on a nice fall day. It evokes all the senses that you're looking for. So, I hear you cracking it open. What do you think about, uh... Uh, Treehouse's Oktoberfest?
1: Um, well, it's delightful for one. Very good. Um, if you listen to the podcast, you'll know Ryan and I's uh, one of our f- favorite styles is the German Marzen. And so we always look forward to Oktoberfest season. Uh, this is delightful. I can't remember if what the what treehouse, as, uh, as I say, what it says on untapped. But it's definitely a Mars and not really a fast beer. Mm-hmm. It's, vi- you know, especially like, you know, nice American Mars. And it's got, it's very bready, very malty, very caramelly, uh, almost a little peppery with the breadiness, which is nice. Crisp, clean, delightful. Just the. Subtlest whisper of you know the hops to it, you know you do get a slight hoppy you know hop finish at the end that you would expect from an Oktoberfest. This is delightfully warming. Something that like on a day like today, where the temperature has dropped quite a bit, is just what I would want on a nice fall night. I love this. This is a very good Oktoberfest.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, a pretty good Oktoberfest as well. I I definitely I've had better. But, at the same time, I do think it's a really, you know, a solid offering from Treehouse. Um, it does have a nice, bready malt to it. It uh, is on the Marzen style side. However, I do think that is a little bit lighter than some of more, our um, th- heavier, thicker Marzen styles that we do in the American Oktoberfest tradition. Um, which... You know, for the most part, American Oktoberfests are considered Marzens rather than Festbiers. beers are a lot uh, lighter, a lot um, l- less uh, heavily bodied and malty to them. Um, to encourage drinking, really, to encourage you know lots of um, partaking, and and with Marzens, you get to a point with all the heavy malts and breadiness that you you really just can't you can't drink too many of them. Uh, I could still drink a lot of them. Don't yeah, get me no, wrong.
1: I, yeah, <laughs> no, I can, but, I, say, I can definitely see why. Like over in Germany, for during Oktoberfest, they kind of like invented the Festbier style, like in the '80s or whatever. Yeah, and kind of have grown away from the Marzen style. But I'm glad that when you have an Oktoberfest in America, for the most part. Probably nine times out of the ten, the beer that someone's going to be making is going to be a and over a Fest beer Because I think there's just a lot more going on with a Marson. It's a lot more flavorful. It's a lot, you know, more fitting of the season. Like, it definitely tastes, you know, like fall compared to a Fest beer, where it tastes like, oh, that's a good Hofbräu polliner. But it doesn't really distinguish itself. That makes you think like, oh, that's a fall beer. Right. You know, like right. we're rolling into the fall. So,
0: yeah. I think this has a good. Um, it's kind of like a good combination of the fest beer and the Mars in it. Like it d- definitely has the heavier malt backbone, but it's probably a little bit lighter than some of the other Marsins, uh, American Marsins that I've had. Um, and I think that that works out well. You know, it's it's very clearly a drinkable beer. Um, I, I think that they do a good job with managing the malt backbone and, and you know getting just a little bit of hoppiness. Like you said, just a little bit of like a spicy pepperiness to it. Um, I think that, that gives it a nice, uh, body with a uniqueness to it that sometimes you don't get with Oktoberfest, you know, um, you, you, like, it's funny cause you want Oktoberfest, but then you also want each bre- brewer to kind of have its own just like really slight distinctive style to it. And that's hard to do with an Oktoberfest that has such a, like traditional type of brewing. Um, but I think Trios manages that, so bravo to them and i think it's a you know it's a really good Oktoberfest style from them which is surprising considering their you know that's this is not something that they um their wheelhouse is in
1: oh you know what i'm on their website right now they have out a dunkel rock beer right now
0: Hmm. you know i fancy now, myself a rock beer fan and then i get them and i'm like
1: hmm, you know it's not bad
0: <laughs> but it's not it's not a style that i like am gravitating to you know
1: on a day like today it would sound delightful nice smoky beer but
0: i think it depends on how you feel that day no
1: it's totally totally a beer that like you can't just sit down and be like if like if genesee were to be like hey guys for the winter season our seasonals a rock beer you'd probably be like thanks but no thanks i'll have one and probably sit on it for right till the end of time yeah
0: it, it is a it's a very distinctive style that you have to be in a particular mood for uh, to really enjoy. And I definitely cannot see myself sitting down and enjoying a couple of them at a time. there They're just, you know, they're ones that you drink and, and and savor at the time. And then, you know, you move on to something lighter or something that's not as... Uh, well, when
1: you're eating your fresh venison jerky that from the deer that you just killed and skinned and have been drying out for the past couple of weeks, you don't want to just sit down and... Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, really. All right. So, let's get into Rabid. And the first thing that I want to start out with talking about with Rabid is this is why we haven't adopted the Canadian healthcare system. <laughs> because the apparently... Canadians just have random plastic surgeons running around uh, going to car accidents and just saying you know what don't bring them to the hospital we'll take them back at the clinic and we'll Whoa. perform an unnecessary skin <laughs> graft procedure on them that may or may not work uh, that's pretty much the, off, the, the premise the opening premise of *Rabbit*.
1: first off this plastic surgeon clinic is out in butt fuck no- nowhere Apparently in the seventies they switched from sanatoriums to plastic surgery. <laughs> to surgeon. plastic
0: surgeon clinics that yeah, everybody's <laughs> going to. Like this is the rage too. This this place out in the middle of nowhere. People are coming in and they're like, I'm you know, I'm gonna get my eyebrows, my eyes done underneath my eyes, and I just got my ears done.
1: Oh, oh don't you know, they have this fancy new thing called Botox and I went up there and they gave me a good little squirt squirt and now my face looks a lot better, eh? It is a really weird.
0: Like it's really weird. It's like who, how how many people are just like going to this one random place and like, yeah, I think I'll get some work done. And they're like, not only are they getting work done, but they're staying there. They're like staying there as though it's like a resort. They're like sticking around. Like yeah, I think I'll
1: you know what? I'll hit the spa eye. and. I got my lazy eye fixed, eh? And then I know, <laughs> then I noticed my wife's tits sagging off to the side, so I told her she better get them perked up before you head back down to Montreal, eh?
0: Yeah, the, like the thing that I like about this place too is that it's the doctor is Doctor Keloid, and a keloid is a type of skin condition. It's like a a, a type of lesion that you get, and I f- I find that funny. I, that's clearly a reference that. Uh, Kronenberg was going for there, you know, in his writing. But they, it's funny that, like, he's very on the nose. I mean, if you don't know what a keloid is, uh, then you you, you would know. But
1: I don't feel like most people would be able to dig that one up. That's a it's
0: a type of type of scar, type of lesion that you get from skin. And I just thought that was funny. Not, but not you, there's can be there's like a you. there's a the more you know, <laughs> for and nice, for and your yeah, watching nice. pleasure. But um, this yeah. So the opening of this movie is like pretty crazy. It's a really random opening. We have a guy that's driving around his family and he's getting pissed off, which I can't understand. You know? <laughs> They're bothering him. They're saying he, he knows he's a man. Okay. And men intuitively know directions. They don't need a map. And this family's like, no, you're looking at the wrong thing. We're looking at the map right now. You're taking wrong turns. And he's like, oh, I, of course I would know. I don't know. I, I don't know. There's I'm supposed
1: going. to be a barn up Gary. <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and and so he, you know, he's he's doing a U-turn, and then all of a sudden, a motorbike comes up with our main characters Rose and Hart. And he's driving along, and they have a they have an accent. And then all of a sudden, <clears throat> before well, you know on. it, uh,
1: to be fair, it's their fault. They're driving like ass. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> Just because it's a country road, I, I think they can go bombing around on yeah. their bike like they're in Mad Max.
0: But but the accident occurs. They go uh, tumbling into the uh, off of the side of the road, and the bike ends up exploding for whatever reason. <laughs> you know, faulty wiring. Who who knows what happens to Canadian bikes?
1: Well, say well, you get to hear the engine rev up as like it's <laughs> yeah it's on like, now, like yeah it's
0: kind of like rose is like sitting on like the uh the throttle, the, the throttle or something and it's just like and then it explodes and you know what that you know you're watching like in a late 70s early 80s movie because just you know cars were exploding all over the place you never knew Shra- what are you going to be driving on the highway randomly get hit with shrapnel in the eye you don't know from it from an exploding car it could happen you know well, that, was you a, that was a that was a danger it, 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 of the it, it, time
1: if you were driving a Ford Pinto, that was a dangerous <laughs> time. <laughs> All of a sudden, your engine just blows up.
0: No, but but, but ultimately, the, the motorcycle explodes. Rose is trapped underneath it, so she's badly hurt. And Hart has just sustained, like, uh, you know, a shoulder injury or something like that, and a and concussion. Um, and injuries. Yeah. And uh, so, Dr. Kelloid, who's out in this... You know, random country clinic who does plastic surgery for a living is like, you know what? I think we can save her.
1: Well, they have, not only that, they have an ambulance on standby there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, why? Like, so we'll, like
0: uh, I guess maybe like, do they double as like a, they're like a plastic surgery slash third degree burn treatment clinic? Like, they just randomly are rushing out to.
1: <laughs> they haven't fun the burn ward in a long yeah. time.
0: <laughs> so ultimately, they go and get Rose and they bring her back to this plastic surgery clinic and they're like, "Yeah, we'll fix her up." Like the only the the caveat here, Hart, we're gonna fix her up, but we do need to use her thigh skin, to randomly do some regular old, you know, plastic surgery to her abdominal area. And not only that, we need to hold her in stasis for a month. Like, we could get her to the hospital that's three hours away now that we've stabilized her, but instead we're going to keep her here until we get a cryogenically frozen uh, thigh sample back from the lab.
1: Well, here's the thing. They... They say, like, well, we might as well take her back, otherwise she's going to die, because <laughs> the nearest hospital is three hours away. I know Quebec's a pretty big fucking province, but even in the 1970s, like, you mean to tell me there's not, like, a... In all, like... If, if, say, if they're like, in the northern, like, like, you know, part where it's probably very desolate, where, you know, it's not on, like, the border of, like, the United States and Ontario and shit. You mean to tell me, like... You have to drive like three hours from your fucking farm town to go to a hospital. Might as well die. Mm. Even by like nineteen seventy seven, I think like you know that's kind of like we live in a small town area, right? We have like five hospitals in a forty mile radius.
0: Well, aren't we in Montreal though? We're not in Quebec, are we? We're in Montreal. Or, like, no. on the outskirts of Montreal.
1: No, 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 Because if they were in Montreal, it wouldn't be three hours to fucking get to the nearest hospital. So they're up in, like, northern farmland up there. Yeah,
0: I guess so. Yeah, the hospital is in Montreal. The Wherever they are is on the outskirts of that.
1: But my, my point, when I say my point is, like, even by, like, it just, it just seems stupid. Like, and again, like, why would you have, like, in the middle of, like, dead-ass Quebec, like, Oh, yeah, we got the... Got burn down the old tuberculosis sanatorium and we turn it into plastic surgery. You know that's what they wanted up here. You get a case of moose head every eye lift you get.
0: But my my favorite part of this though is that it just doesn't make sense for Doctor Keloid to even do what he's doing. So he's a he's the plastic surgeon. Like we don't really I, I guess like Cornumber doesn't really go into details about what happened to. Rose, right? Like she, we see that she's like got a pretty nasty abdominal. She's bleeding out basically from the abdomen. They need to get her transfusion and stuff. Okay. So they stabilize her at their clinic and you think, okay, now that we've stabilized her, let's ship her off to the people that really know what they're doing, right? Like Dr. Kelloid, sure. He's a doctor. He's a doctor of plastic surgery. You don't have, you know, you don't have an OBGYN come in and do like intensive surgery on the abdomen. Like, Oh, she sustained a, a, a massive, like, abdominal puncture wound and we're, we're we have to we have to sew up the small intestine well you don't have the ob-gyn coming like well i'm a doctor i mean uh, i do surgery let me just come in and n- 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 make sure that that gets closed up you don't do that so dr kelloid is like one of the least like besides a layman he's still very unqualified to do anything with this person so i really like that you know, the film makes it all out to be like, you know what, we're holding her for a month. And then when you find out, like, she's still in a coma, it's like, wow,
1: this guy's not a good doctor.
0: <laughs> she's still in a coma after a month, and we're we're still doing surgery on her.
1: We're right the scheme. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> our, our Canadian health insurance, uh, plastic surgery is not covered, eh? So uh, that skin graft off the thigh is going to cost, you know, a bunch of loonies.
0: I, do, I, I like, too, how they, they make it out to be like, you know, this is an experimental thing that they're doing, too. They're like, well, she's going to die anyway. Why don't we just do the experiment on her instead? And we'll just, you know, she might, she, will she get, you know, massive uh, uh, cancer tumors here? Maybe. But that's a risk that she's going to take now that she can't make the decision and she's unconscious. Um, we're just going to do it for with, her.
1: Should have been right into that asshole heart.
0: I mean one of the themes here is that like she is not able to say whether she would want this procedure done or not. This is a scientific procedure that obviously later on has consequences, you know, you know, science fictiony consequences, of course. Um that she was not able to even say, "Yep, I would like you to do that to to me." So it it is interesting the like the medical um consequences of what Dr. Kelly partakes in. It's kind of like the uh, the HP Lovecraft brand of like let's push science to the limit you know where, where men have not been able to go before. Let's graft five skin onto people's abdomens. As,
1: as long as you're not a Jew.
0: <laughs> yeah. I hate I hate Jews. I hate living in the city because it's a melting pot and I like to name my cat after black people. That I hate. Yeah.
1: Hey, speak Lovecraft. <laughs> did <it> did.
0: <laughs> the horror writers? Writer. <laughs> um, all right. So, so yeah. So we've we've done a pretty good job of explaining the the opening of the film, but that doesn't really sum up the overall plot of *Rapid*. And I think that that's one of the weird things about this movie is that Cronenberg transitions away from a, like some of the things that he's exploring to go and. Incredibly different directions. So we have Rose, who uh, we also should mention is played by Marilyn Chambers, who was a pretty um, well known porn star at the time. Should point that out.
1: Oh, was she now? Mm
0: hmm. Um, and so we have Rose, and eventually she does get better with her skin graft, and she finds out that. She's kind of uh, suffering from an unintended side effect of this skin graft, which is that she now hungers for blood from her little skin graft incision area and it has a little vaginal opening that pokes out a phallic appendage and she has to basically what you said, bear hug men and and other people to suck their blood from them for, to, and have this appendage come out of her. You know, obvious vaginal hole. And
1: Which I mean is uh, like it's is so this stupid. is this where
0: is this where Cronenberg is losing you here?
1: A little, yeah, because it's stupid. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not even like shown enough to where like you get that like mm-hmm. you know, reading online. It's like oh, the clitoral. It's like a clitoris, but also like a penis coming out of it, and it's mm-hmm. like you see it like three times. And it's not even that you know. Saw it in like 1080p. And it didn't look anything like you know. Looked like a like a tremor popping out, <laughs> graboid, like Bee! you know. I mean,
0: I mean, I do get the the sexual phallic and uh, you know no, vaginal yeah, just, imagery.
1: You, I mean, you get. You get the sexual imagery because, again, like, she's, like, oh, every time that she's craving blood, like, she, you know, is writhing in agony, but also, you know, pleasure, To like, oh, help me, you know, I'm so hungry. And then, you know, she seduces and, you know, lures them in. Yeah,
0: I mean, I do, I do agree. I agree that this movie does not do a great job of
1: it's like the most tedious way of getting to like a zombie plot ever
0: yeah i mean i i definitely understand your um reticence to like accept like the the whole idea of like this person who is you know basically patient zero who is infecting other people with this virus uh with with something that does seem very um unrelated to the virus itself like the two don't really seem to go together, and I think that's where Rabbit kind of, you know, has some of its criticisms lobbied at it. the The idea that this this you know the skin graft that is has given Rose this like weird appendage thing, that then becomes a virus that spreads to other people and gives them like a rabies like virus. They they don't really necessarily mesh with each other, and it feels like two different directions for Cronenberg to take. And I think I would have been a little bit more uh, accepting of Rabbit's plot if he had decided to go with one or the other. Right? So, like, maybe if it was just about a skin graft gone wrong that does this weird, like, you know, transfer- mutation of your body, that would be in itself an interesting movie but then when it is combined with this rabies virus that spreads to other people and makes them into basically you know like foaming at the mouth zombies that is like an entirely different idea that doesn't really relate and I'm not sure why the two um, end up becoming related in this movie and why Cronenberg decided to go with that Um,
1: I I guess I think think it's because of the time again you had you know, the remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, you know, being a huge hit at the time, mm-hmm. and having, you know, very uh, nuanced and political messages. Same thing with Dawn of the Dead at the same time. I mean, great. this is early group, but I guarantee, like, you know, scripts and stuff were getting kicked around, so it wasn't, like, anything, like, you know, wasn't known. So, I mean, like, it's kind of, like, in that niche, and I get it. But, like, like, you're right, I I do think, like, it's two kind of clashing ideas and concepts. Like, you should just, like, chose one. Like, either you have this skin graft that's gone basket case and, you know, doing weird, goofy things and attacking people and killing them like a slasher. Or go the route where, by that skin graft, something went wrong and, you know, she's been infected and she's infecting other people through a less goofy way.
0: Mm-hmm. I see what you mean about like the you know it, it is kind of a goofiness especially that beginning <sighs> one where we really don't know what's happening. She pulls the guy in and then she kind of just like g- hugs him to death and we yeah. don't really see, get to see anything of what's happening. There's just like that spreading of blood by yeah, his... You,
1: you say, even the guy's like, oh who's that knife? Whoa! Whoa! whoa. Mm-hmm. Hey, sorry! Hey, whoa. <laughs>
0: Right, and in that scenario, he actually kind of has to exposit what's happening because we can't really tell. You know, he's just getting hugged, and he's like, you know, literally says, "Is there? A, did you? Is there a knife in me?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> this kind of something that you would just randomly oh, think of. Hey,
1: you just put a knife in me.
0: But he does say it so like nonchalantly so too. He's just, yeah, he's just like, "Is that a knife? <laughs> is that a knife in me?" Probably not how I would be reacting, but. So I guess what, what do you, what would you prefer this film to be? Do you prefer it to be more like the title like suggests where it's, you know, literally a virus that is causing people to have zombie like characteristics where they, you know, they foam at the mouth and they bite people or would you rather it to be the more body horror element of the skin graft gone wrong and like more of like a science fiction-y type thing where this clinic has, you know, done this in the past and there are like people that have these appendages that, you know, start to... Attack people.
1: Probably the body horror element because that mm. would be more original and nuanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, a zomb- you know, zombie films, a zombie film, and yeah, hard to make. You know, it's 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 been done to death. So especially now, so you know looking at it with fresh eyes i think you know i would have appreciated to see cuz cronenberg is known for his you know body horror to actually see body horror cuz for the most part the only real body horror that i actually saw in this film is the part where they're just like cutting actually doing the skin grafts you know mm-hmm. that was you know a uh, little uh, nauseating but other than that it was it's because <clears throat> like i said for the most part that whole vagina penis snapping monster out of her armpit. You only see like three times. You just see her kind of bear hug people to death. It's kind of just fucking goofy mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and stupid.
0: Yeah. I mean, I actually like for me, I, I, well, I guess I should say I agree with you. And I think be- I agree with you too, because the film spends a more time on the rabbit element itself so it, it, it we almost got that film except the part where it starts out with like the skin graft thing but i think the skin graft idea is a little bit more interesting because i think we could have gone for a lot more body horror elements to it than we get with the rabies part of this i think too what i'm um what i fail to see is like exactly what cronenberg means to suggest about the the rabies epidemic. Uh, you know, I've read some critics who have... Um,
1: Stay away s- from the clap.
0: Yeah. Well, I've read some cr- critics that have said, well, Cronenberg was um, critiquing the the um, government's ability to respond to an epidemic like this. However, I don't really see that in Rabbit. Uh, I see the government responding in a pretty organized way, especially now considering how our government responded to covid from that perspective they did a pretty good job in rabbit.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a uh, fortune telling too, like seeing them actually get, like bandy about like vaccine cards like if please present like if you plan on going out here have your vaccine card ready. To mm-hmm. Let them know that you've been vaccinated against this uh variant of rabies.
0: Yeah, I mean I, like for me like I I reading the that criticism, I don't really see that too much in rabbit at all. I don't really see like the the government Doing a poor job. I see them doing what they can, getting a vaccine vaccine out qu- pretty quickly, lining people up to get it, and then also, you know, taking out the threats. And I, I guess the only thing that I can really see is like they they quickly write off the fact that these people with rabies can be saved. They're like, uh, yeah, we're pretty much just gonna kill them because they're either gonna bite a whole bunch of people and then end up dying anyway, or we should just take them out now and save everybody the the Danger of being bitten by them.
1: Honestly, I don't even think the film films like that smart to have that deep of critique on anything like that. The only like nuanced critique you could gather from it is a critique on like second wave feminism, sexuality, you know, between men and women, mm-hmm. and it's incredibly bare bones because of this ridiculous. uh construction of how the plot set up.
0: You definitely get that to a certain extent like with the the critique of feminism like you you get the idea that Cronenberg did mean in some way for like the sexual enlightenment of the woman here and to be contextually similar to how men are predatory Um, because we do see at one point Marilyn Chambers actually goes into a And watches it. I love
1: it too. Eve, and the V is a woman's, you know, spread eagle for
0: the V. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she goes in to. This this theater and watches a porno and a guy comes up to her and like you know just just starts fondling her
1: hair. Well, she was looking at her seductively. Absolutely so that's he right. Star- that's why he started going in for you know boob feel. He was wearing a beautiful turtleneck too. <laughs> I just wanted to might add. So I mean, again, like he he was on the prowl. He knew what he was about, and, and she knew what he was about. And so like, and don't that's you, all you need to know? Don't
0: you miss just having plumes of blue smoke just filtering through your movie watching experience like in this like constant guys smoking in this theater and people are you know just watching through the haze
1: what is it with the seven what is it with the 70s and the porno film well like a lot like big films like during like the mid 70s to the late 70s there's always like a scene like with or something like to like a go to the porn den to watch a film.
0: Well, a lot of those movies, too, were generally shot on um, in New York City. So that was already a big thing, you know?
1: No, I know. But, I mean, it's just kind of weird, like, just thinking about it now. Like, you know what? Maybe I don't want the internet these days because if it means getting to sit with my buddies and raw-dogging it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at a movie theater, you know, watching the newest uh, Bang Bros film. Wouldn't that be bonding,
0: kind Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I don't... I mean, so, like, the, I guess that they're really getting at, like, the promiscuity of the men and the predatory nature of men here and how that's kind of, you know, turned on its side. And instead of the man doing that, we have Rose, who's kind of going out and being the predatory person, who's doing the um, unwanted, um, you know... The, the making the unwanted advances and then eventually um, penetration as well, you know, because that's ultimately what this uh, appendage that she has does is, you know, it's penetration. Um, however, like I said, like it does seem like the two are not necessarily related to each other. The penetration and the feminist perspective and then the rabies element to it. Um, perhaps that's just std transmission um which you know kind of was delved into in shivers but you know i don't know that this film has a strong enough theme there to really make those connections i think that's where rabbit kind of misses the mark
1: it's paper thin whatever you want to like glean from it it's paper thin other than like oh stds that's a thing take Mm. your penicillin
0: and you know, of course, this was before AIDS as well, so it's we can't even relate it to the AIDS epidemic because this was clearly before that. Um, what do you think about the uh, the the constant inclusion of Hart, who is really just kind of like the everyman on the outskirts of this movie, who is just you know constantly trying to get back to Rose, and then at the end of the movie, he finds out that she's actually like the vector. The person that's been she's spreading it. He's like,
1: You've been doing it She's a whore Yeah. Uh Pointless. He's really not even in the film at all. <laughs> Gets second billing. He's in it for like driving the motorcycle into the rye field and then uh I'm going back to Montreal and then like Rose, are you okay? Okay. Oh, Rose is doing things, okay. And that's it. It's, you know, it's <laughs> And, you know, he's kind of pretty pointless, to be honest with you. Yeah. A lot of the characters in this film are actually kind of pointless. It's just, you know, either fodder or just background noise.
0: Yeah, what about Murray? Murray is, like, the guy who drives uh, everybody around at the Kellogg Clinic and
1: how impressed were you when like the guys were driving like the truck around with their foam cups of coffee and setting it i loved dashboard.
0: it i loved it i was like you know what i need to start driving around with a foam cup of coffee on my dashboard that's awesome like <laughs> screw <laughs> screw travel mugs just get yourself a styrofoam cup put it on dashboard <laughs> eight ounce cup of coffee yeah.
1: slipping sliding around and you know what though like,
0: the thing with that is like I, I always have to laugh at people who were driving who were going around like you know with eight ounce cups of coffee because it's always like aren't you just going back to the coffee you know the coffee machine like every five minutes just like it's, whoop, it's, there goes that shot <laughs>
1: well it's an age thing I think like if you ever go to like Stewart's and stuff who's like the only people still getting 12 ounce cups of coffee the smallest size. It's old people. Mm-hmm. Cause that's all they ever know. Like their cup of coffee. Who's the assholes getting the big ones? Us dumb fucking millennials. Because we're we need a heart heart attack. I just
0: I just always look at people who have like this those eight ounce cups of coffee and sit and think that it's going to be like enough. I'm like our What's one SA, like,
1: I say at work our one uh, Ke- you know Keurig machines an eight and like twelve ounce cup and I'm like why have an eight ounce option? Who is making an eight ounce fucking cup of coffee in 2022. I know. Like, can't we face that out? Like, okay, yes, Doris. You won't be able to do that at home. Go to the diner, get your Maxwell house. <laughs> you know. You're right. I, I, w- I was coffee.
0: impressed with that guy, though. You're right.
1: Was it... You think it was, uh... <laughs> French... Uh, French press? Oh, Europe yeah. In Quebec? Oh, yeah.
0: For sure. Yeah, but what... I guess the bigger thing that was a mystery to me is how the fuck old is Murray in this movie because he has a newborn infant that he's staying up with in the middle of the night and he looks like he's 65 years old in this movie
1: Well, he's a man he can (laughs) have that seed whenever he wants that's
0: right that's right And you're
1: fertile you're fertile for life and
0: actually to be honest yeah he would have been about he was uh, about 55 years old when this movie was filmed uh, so that tracks, but I guess yeah, does, the film doesn't really explain his, you know, his what late a, age baby. But
1: just thinking about it, like, what would make you think? Like, if, can you imagine getting to the age fifty five and being like, "Listen, I want a kid."
0: Yeah, I didn't. I didn't have the kid back when I was younger. Let's do it now.
1: Like you know, like
0: no, I can't imagine.
1: That just sounds awful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> could die any day now, but you know what? Let's do it. Let's have a kid. Could die when they're 20, could die when under 30, could die when
0: they're 10. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> it's just a Russian roulette at this point. Let's. Do it. It's
1: going to be a scar nonetheless for the child, so let's go.
0: So it sounds like you weren't super enthused with Rabid. Would you no, say that there were any you know good moments to this movie that you not you re- enjoyed? Not, re- not really. Mm.
1: I like the ending. Mm-hmm. Um where they're riding around in garbage trucks taking night of Yeah. the living dead's i you know idea of a posse running around you know shooting zombies and turning to like yeah, let's put him on a garbage truck, ED. Yeah, you know, they
0: take you know they take her body at the end. They take Rose's body yeah. at the end and they just put it in the garbage truck. With then- the
1: unnecessary slow-mo for that like th- 3 seconds. Why do they have like that slow-mo for getting thrown in like and then I like how they start, you know, running the garbage truck machine and then, like, the credits start, you know, kind of rolling over it. That's yeah, cool. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like kind of, I like the zombie effects kind of. Like, you know, it's uh, kind of like Dawn of the Dead, and but instead of, like, being <laughs> comically blue, they're comically white and they have, like, you know, green mucus coming out of their mouth. That was pretty cool. I like that. Um, Probably would have been better if, like I said, if they either went body horror or straight pandemic film. Uh, But no, I was bored to tears watching this goddamn movie. I actually, I think it's like a record. I might have had to break four different times throughout. Because that first two-thirds of this film is beyond tedious. It takes fucking forever. Ever for anything to happen, and when stuff is happening, it's not even anything like enjoyable or like noteworthy. And to add on to the fact that everybody in this film is a fucking broomstick that's talking like, oh no, she's biting me. Oh, wish I went down to the tavern and have some moose head. Eh? Ooh. <laughs> What seems to be the problem? Oh, she's biting me. Eh? Oh, I'm bleeding. Is that a knife? Oh.
0: I do like how um, <laughs> there's that one scene, too. And it seems, you know, again, like the film, um, you know, it's main focus is on Rose, but then occasionally it just like randomly jumps to other people like that one guy that um, she attempted to rape her in the uh the barn there, the farmhouse. Yeah, yeah, the farmhouse.
1: Oh, he's he's the most French Canadian. I'm all like, oh, we oui, oui. You have blood on your lips. That means must mean you want to fuck me. Oh.
0: <laughs> it is. It's weird sometimes how the you know Cronenberg decides that he's going to jump to different characters and like there's that one scene where he goes into the diner and just starts you know gnawing on people and steal steals that guy's uh chicken <laughs> barbecue dinner.
1: chicken yeah. yeah barbecue chicken Old which guy. I well that was great was. He's like, barbecue chicken, and he's like, hey, boy, you're bleeding, eh, from your eyes. <laughs> he's got blood bleeding. He's like, oh, I don't remember what That guy's such a and,
0: gentleman, too, because he steals his chicken, and he's like, you know what? I'm not going to hit anybody with sunglasses on. Let me take yeah, those no, off this, for you.
1: <laughs> no, I know. That's the best part is, like, he's sitting there, and, like, he's trying to get in a scrap, and he's like, no, no, I don't throw haymakers at anyone with glasses, eh, <laughs>
0: such a gentleman he's already been gnawing on all of his chicken you know still being a nice nice guy yeah but it's weird you know i don't i don't know that the film always comes together and i think that's probably its main problem i do think that it does have a, a a few key moments that i think are really good um the subway scene i think is pretty cool you know where you have all these people crammed onto the subway and then, you know, you have one person that, that uh the woman, that is on the subway and then, you know, turns rabid and you, you have all hell break loose. I thought that was a really cool scene, especially because it's kind of disconcerting when you first see that woman on the subway. Um You know, so that kind of, again, watching post current pandemic, you kind of get the same ideas of like, ooh, subway's probably not the best place to be during a virulent outbreak um and it you know it kind of like i don't know if it's you know it's effective now because we've lived it or what but i thought that was a pretty cool scene um you know and i think sometimes it does have some good gore effects and some good uh you know zombie moment zombie type moments i should should say not zombie moments but zombie type moments um but you're right. I think that it does have a lot of downtime to it. It does have a lot of um, direction issues that keep it from being a truly good Cronenberg movie, um, which is unfortunate because I did want to like this one a little bit more than I did, although I did I did enjoy it um, more than you, but I did want to like this more than I ended up actually liking it. So,
1: Yeah, when you said... When I messaged you on and said, like, oh, boy, this this is rough. And you're like, oh, it's a classic. Restriction, that definition, pretty goddamn fit. Listen, I know Cronenberg's known for being cold. This film is cold. Not just in, like, the action or anything, but, like, just, like, everything, like, how people act and stuff is so, like, just sterile, bland, and, like, just... If that's what Cronenberg cold means, we're, we're in for a fucking rough ride these next couple of films.
0: It's going to be a, a chilly winter.
1: Of just everyone be acting like they're from fucking Winnipeg. Like, I'm Bret Hart, and I'm here to cut a promo about how I'm going to beat Yokozuna at WrestleMania 8. for the WrestleMania 9, sorry, for the World <laughs> Heavyweight title. Because I'm the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Even though I love Bret Hart. You know, when he was a babyface, he was fucking, his promos were shit because he just sat there and like, yeah, you know, we're going to go out there and win, and that's the good thing. That's what this is like. It's just like, ugh, (laughs) babyface Bret Hart cutting a promo, and it's just going on forever.
0: Well, so on a scale of 0 to 10 shoe leather steak sandwiches, what would you give Rabbit?
1: Six out of ten. That's being generous, um, especially because, like I said, uh, I had to cut away from this film like four different times to like, sit and take a break because it was just like, "Is are we done yet?" No, no, we got ten, did ten minutes and did nothing. Um, I think for a zombie film, this is like bottom of the barrel it doesn't do anything new or intriguing with the genre. Um, I think it's greatly outpaced by its peers at the time. Seriously, watch Dawn of the Dead or Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Much more enjoyable, much more fun. Uh, much more better kind of points and nuance and, you know, politics behind it. Uh everyone in this film acting wise is stilted and boring as shit. No one's memorable. Uh none of the effects are really memorable. None of the action is really memorable. This isn't very violent or anything. The hugging is weird. <laughs> um But like it has some as you said, like it does have some like ideas here. And it would have been interesting to see it be more focused. I'm sure if the film had more focus on like picking which direction it wanted to go with the themes, it would be much more enjoyable. Even though it still would be a stilted mess with the acting and such. One thing I did like, which we didn't even talk about, was the score. Um, it did have like a classic horror like uh, tone to it, but when it had the synth score, very good. Uh, especially at the end where uh, we get to see you know, Rose getting thrown into the garbage truck after she's been dead. That synth line, very good, very reminiscent of what Ennio Morricone would eventually do with the thing. Because the way the, kind of the synth is playing, it's supposed to be like a heartbeat. That was really cool. I like that a lot. But I'd give it a 6 out of 10. I would say this is something to watch if you want to see cronenberg's output just because it's well you know well known but i would say this really is a drag and a dreary little f- film that if it wasn't cronenberg i'd probably give it a five and a half but i'm only giving it six because i've been told it's a classic and so <laughs> i gotta kind of pay a some homage to it so i guess a six
0: yeah, I would give this a seven. I did enjoy it. Um, I don't think that it's Cronenberg's best work, and I think that, um, you know, it, it is a little bit muddled, and it's definitely uh, playing off of what Cronenberg did with Shivers. I think Shivers um, was a little bit more effective, um, partially because it was pretty much relegated to just an apartment building, and it had a little, like, leeway with what it could do. Um, with Rabbit, I think he expands a little bit too far and with that it, it does muddle some of the themes um, and I don't think that they really come together particularly well in terms of why the skin graft procedure that goes wrong translates into the rabies virus that kind of creates an epidemic. I don't really know that those go too well together and I don't really see the connection. Um, I do think that it's you know still it has its moments um i think that Marilyn chambers does a pretty good job um i really like um uh joe silver as murray just because i think he has like good character to him um and i think that sometimes the film does have some good body horror elements to it but i do think that it it really gets a little bit muddled in its own themes and i don't know that Cronenberg's whatever whatever his intention was i don't think that it comes out and i definitely don't agree with the fact that it's about the government mishandling of particular um you know epidemics or anything like that because i don't i don't really see that i don't really see that uh mishandling or or if if it was then we've just done a much more piss-poor job recently handling pandemics and epidemics than even rabbit uh had surmised so maybe that's maybe that's why I don't see the uh, the actual you know critique of of government handling but um, I would give it a seven I think it's an an okay movie I think it's one that you should check out uh, just to see you know where kind of like where Cronenberg started and and uh, how he expanded on his body horror elements later on in his career but it's probably not one of his better works for me at least Alright, so you know what that means. We did a Cronenberg movie this time, so what's on the docket for next time? A West Craven movie. Um, and I have to think back on what I put down for our next West Craven movie. I don't really remember exactly what it was. I think it might have been Um Hmm. I'm trying to think now. What I put down. I think it was it was probably one of his like 80s movies I think. But I can't remember, do you?
1: Well, I don't remember. Yeah,
0: I don't remember. <laughs> I'm bad at that. I I should really like look it up and and uh remember what I put down. Let me let me see if I can find it here and th- then I'll know for sure. So the next one that we're doing
1: Last House on the Left. Uh, Oh, yep. the post. Yep,
0: Last House on the Left. I do have that one, by the way. And I'm excited to check this out because I actually have not seen it. Of course I know about it. Um,
1: You have not seen Last House on the Left? I have not. Wow. Nope. Have you seen the remake?
0: Um,
1: Nope.
0: Oh. Mm Mm-mm. (laughs) Just.
1: Totally off your radar, eh? Yeah,
0: haven't seen either of them. I do have it, though. Um, I'm excited to check it out. Uh, I know, you know, of course, this is one of those rape-revenge movies that um, was pretty prolific in the 70s, especially, you know, this one and uh, Day of the Woman or um, I Spit on Your Grave, uh, both pretty infamous of the time frame. Um, I'm pretty sure that Last House on the Left was... Uh, pretty well panned at the time, and then became more of a critical uh you know think piece later on as as people kind of uh thought more about like you know they got over the the whole element of rape in the movie and kind of thought more about it um, th- This will be a fun one to talk about though because there is always that element of um if the the rape is not meant to be uh somewhat entertaining then why does it why does it go on for so long um and we'll talk about all of those ideas on our next episode and you'll definitely want to stick around for that so one way to do that is to subscribe to us on pretty much any podcasting app that you can think of we're on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher our home base at anchor.fm good pods Wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe to us, leave us a nice review. That always helps us out. We're on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for us on there, Blood and Black Rum Podcast. We have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash Podcast, where you can donate to us, put that back towards beer. So thanks in advance. And of course, you can write to us at our email address at podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, and we'll take that into consideration. So, thanks for listening to our Cronenberg episode of the Some Cronenberg series on Rabbit, we hope you enjoyed and we hope you'll come back for uh the rest of the halloween season and particularly next episode where we cover west craven's last house on the left so until then
1: take care